Charlie Rose has disgraced the bathrobe. Okay? Charlie Rose has disgraced Charlie the bathrobe? Charlie Rose has disgraced. What about Weinstein? Well, Weinstein's not on the fucking docket, is he? No. <laughs> it's, By design. It's Charlie Rose who's been, or maybe it's hand towels. The bathrobe is for being a predator. That's it the point really of the bathrobe. Is, but Mainly. it didn't choose that life. Mm. It was like, it's not my fault. I'm a malfunctioning dress. Welcome once again to the Bituation Room. I'm Francesca Fiorentini, your host. Thanks for listening. Thank you for pressing play. No, don't stop it, because this episode's going to be so, so good. We've got two of my favorite people, the people that I look to um, for analysis, for jokes, for advice, for all kinds of things. Uh, to my right is Jenna Friedman. She's a stand-up comedian, and she is the host of Soft Focus on Adult Swim, which has its second special premiering soon, I believe. Yes, it will be announced soon, but it is premiering at the end of January. Nice. How are you, Jenna? I'm good. How are you? You know, I cut a bunch of kiwi for you guys, and I'm... Uh, oh, that's for us. It looks so appetizing. Does it? Mm-hmm. I heard kiwis were in season, so I was like, I've got to buy kiwis. I don't even like kiwi, but here we go. And then to my left is John Idarola, who is the host of The Damage Report on the Young Turks Network. I've been on his show so many times. I don't know how a man at 8.30 in the morning is so cogent. I mean, women have to be, but a man, uh, that's very different. How are you, John? I'm good. I'm good. And I have to say that when I saw the kiwis on the table, just seeing that bowl made me think, oh, she's the sort of person that just has fresh fruit in the morning. <laughs> exactly. I want you to think that about me. Mm-hmm. Well, now I do. And I'm good. I'm glad to be here. So we always start off every episode with the same question, which is, what are you bitching about? Jenna, what are you bitching about today? I woke up really um, like uh, happy because I feel like you have to kind of, you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> so I'm not I don't have like a bone to pick on any level. I'm I'm homesick for New York. Mm. I'm, it's I'm, the winter, right? You're like, I miss slush. Yeah, I just miss. I think that <laughs> walking or walking around is really good for my brain. It just kind of pumps oxygen into the brain. So I've heard that I'm not bitching about L.A. because that would be too easy. But you know, that's like kind of something I'm like, I'm going back to New York in a couple weeks and I'm really excited. Mm. And then the prospect of like Michael Cohen not going to jail or something that, that, that I could bitch about that. That he might <laughs> not. Well, I think he will, but it's just like, I just don't understand how people like that don't think that they're going to get caught. Like none of them think that they're going to get caught. No. Yeah. This, they, they were never going to pull this off is what mm. I think we all know now. And we did. Well, I mean, I, if there hadn't been the Mueller investigation, he might not have gotten caught. This is true. I but mean, every- that sprung from the investigation. So he, he he was committing crimes for years and years and years yeah. and seemed quite sure of himself. That's I mean, all true. these fools were committing crimes. It's like their lives were perfectly fine criminally, you know, under the table. Like, just don't don't shine a light on this particular, you know, log or whatever, moldy backbrush. And when you're lying for decades, I guess you're... Jesus. <sighs> Sorry. When you're lying for decades, it becomes re- it's just part of your reality. For sure. Um John knows that. <laughs> I get paid for it. <laughs> exactly. You're a paid shill. Yeah, I am. <laughs> a paid shill. John, what are you bitching about today? Can I say two things? Of course. Please. So the first one, super small, and it doesn't matter, but uh when the Golden Globe nominations came out, I was extremely frustrated that Jodie Comer didn't get nominated for her role in Killing Eve. Mm. Do you guys watch Killing Eve? Yeah, no. that's great. She is so good. She is so the reason to watch that show. And so it's awesome that Sandra Oh gets the nomination like she did in um, with, uh, I think, with Emmys. She's awesome. But Jodie Comer is, like, amazing. It's like a, like she all of a sudden is this huge talent for what she did in this show. And she's getting no recognition, really. That's frustrating. Tell me about the show briefly. Why should I watch it? What's it on? So basically the show, it's a BBC originally show, and it's about two women. It's one woman who works for British intelligence mm-hmm. um, who has to investigate a, uh, a female assassin. And so Sandro plays the intelligence o- operative, and uh, Jodie Comer plays the assassin. And Jodie mm-hmm. Comer is just amazing. It's such a unique role. She is so wonderful in it. 
And Sandra Oh is rightfully being recognized because her acting is great. Mm-hmm. But Jodie Comer is getting totally passed over. It sucks. She plays this nuanced character who has like a crush on Sandra Oh. And oh. it's like cool to see how like the cat and mouse game, but under the light of like, you know, female dynamics and relationships and attraction and admiration. It's cool. It's something you kind of haven't complex. seen on right. television. And wait, where is it on? What is it on again? I mean, I was watching, I think, on Prime. Okay. It was originally like BBC yeah. Showtime or something like that. I what don't know. period are we in? Like Sandra Oh is Asian. Is mm-hmm. that part of it? Is she is she the she's being spied on or she is part of the MI5 or whatever the fuck? Is it current? It's yeah, current yeah, and that like oh, okay. her ethnicity has nothing to do with it. Okay. But at the same time, just mm-hmm. because of representation, it's nice to see a female lead who's not white. No shit. Yeah. But I was like, usually like spy stuff. It's like, okay, we're talking like I don't know, Cold War shit. No, no, no. no it's now. And it's people. funny, too. It's very funny. And that's the thing. Jodie Comer is tremendously funny. She plays basically like a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Someone who genuinely likes being an assassin. Like, she really, like, literally gets off on being an assassin. And she has fun with it. And she likes Hot. messing with the people investigating her. And it's just, it's great. I mean, look, Sandro's character is interesting as well. She was playing sort of like a bureaucrat. Somebody like, you know, just in a middle position that all of a sudden has to step up into this big role. That's so she's just because the Golden too. Globes are like just like centrist shills, you know? They're just like pro <laughs> deep state law enforcement and like not into just blowing it all up or whatever. I don't know what... That's probably what it is. What's the other thing you're bitching about? Oh, just really quick. The last couple of weeks have been extremely frustrating on my... The most important topic to me and that that's the environment where... We had, you know, the Sunrise Movement protests that have mm-hmm. led with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's involvement um, that now we're having this big conversation about the Green New Deal and everywhere you look, it's Green New Deal. And mm-hmm. like, that's really positive. But at the same time, terrible news coming out where we saw that once again, global carbon emissions have hit record highs. And Donald Trump has done a couple of things since those protests. He has, um, the EPA is saying that they're going to be scrapping uh, some of the Obama era limits on carbon emissions from coal plants. Um, Trump says that he wants to get rid of the subsidies for electric vehicles and renewable energy. Mm-hmm. Like in, in every the sage er- grouse that happened this week. That's a huge well. news story. I was, I used to make mm-hmm. fun of that story because I was like, why the fuck is, you know, I don't know, the, the, like Idaho State Assembly talking about the state sage grouse forever, but it really is because like protecting it is protecting the planet. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't really care that much about a sage grouse, but like, yeah, Trump <laughs> wants to open like six thousand acres of land, a bunch of new land. This is misanthropic and possibly, well, very much insensitive to the people on the forefront of catastrophic climate change. Say um, it. But I just stumbled upon George Carlin's bit about the planet. Do you know that bit? Love that bit. You mean the plastic one? The plastic one. Mm -hmm. And also the other part of just, you know, the planet will be fine. The planet's always been fine. We're Mm -hmm. fucked. Yeah. That was comforting in some way, but also it's problematic. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck about the human race, (laughs) but like I... The planet will just spit us out. Yeah. I I just think that there's some cuddly fuzzies out in the forest that are super cute, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. um... Like the sloth. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Have you seen like how the baby sloths ride on the mama sloths? They're so, They're so, so fucking cute. cute. And I don't want that thing to die. Um, and all the other planet Earth animals that I've seen on, you know, Netflix. <laughs> so for sure, the planet, I think in the end of the day, climate activists are also super selfish because we're like, but we're selfish for we don't want to die reasons. Yeah. Uh, not we just want to make money before we die reasons. Anyway, I'm super heartened by the Sunrise Movement. That's the movement uh, that I'm like, love them. You're so fierce. You. This is not your like tree hugging n- early 90s like white dreaded activists. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with them, but it's very different today. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have the one of the founders of it um, on my show like a week or two ago. And hopefully we're going to help publicize what they do. They've got on December 10th, I think they have their next big round of protests in D.C. So that's exciting. Um, but it is. You think Pelosi's going to join them this time? I don't know. I mean, they've got a number of people who signed on to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's like select uh, committee proposal. But as we talked about when Bernie was having that climate um, thing, I just feel like I look out at the country and there are way more climate deniers than we think. Like there are the people who are explicitly, I don't believe the science. Mm-hmm. There are the people who think, okay, the science is true, but I don't think that we're causing it. There are the people who are like, okay, we're probably causing it, but we can't actually do anything about it or it would that's cost huge. too much. That's huge. Yeah. I and think that's a big have, one. 
And then you have lots of people who say, I think it's happening. I think we've caused it. I think we should do something about it, but I'm not actually going to prioritize it when I vote. And I'm fine with handing power over to the Republican Party for four years Mm -hmm. or, you know, if they don't have exactly my position, I'm not going to support them. And that is effectively climate denial. It is denying the severity of the problem and the speed at which we need to do something about it. I am bitching about something. Thanks for asking. Uh, (laughs) um, So fucking dumb that might mean nothing to either of you or it might mean something to you. Um, I don't like pop culture. I don't follow pop culture. Every time I try to get a job that's semi like pop culture, I'm like, "Uh I totally watch the Kardashians as I vomit into my mouth and, you know, just lie through my teeth about, you know, I don't even know who Sandra Oh is. I do know it's Grey's Anatomy. Etc. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the person who I love, you know, is I like I like rap music. I like female rappers. And Cardi B has been probably one of the best things that happened since Trump got elected. Like, I don't know if I'd still be happy and get out of bed in the morning if like Cardi B hadn't come on the scene because it's there's nothing else that's positive. It's like AOC, AOC and Cardi B. In fact, if that <laughs> shit ever happened, if the two of them somehow collaborated, I would, I don't know. I would like, I don't know, cream my pants instantly. Uh, anyway, getting wet, just thinking about it. Sorry, gross. Uh, but I will say that she, she and Offset, her rapper boyfriend, who is of Migos, uh, they split up this this week and she announced it in this like i know and she announced it in this like really sultry maybe she's not wearing any clothes video on instagram like yeah we're really good friends but you know we're not together anymore um and and initially i was like why aren't they together they seem like they make perfect sense together they're both like 2018 she's not really a mumble rapper but they seem like they would be perfect. They probably both fuck other people, right? Relationships are hard. <laughs> also, I love when people get together uh, of the same like epoch or whatever, yeah. like um, Eposh. Epa. It's Eposh. Not- <laughs> uh, but just like people who are like famous Minions. for the same minute. It's so funny mm. that they're still together. When like more like a line. Yeah, like more like kind of. I'm thinking of uh, Kevin from Footloose, Bacon. And uh, <laughs> Kira it, Sedgwick, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't know who. I this... feel like they were famous at the exact same time, or like, or when Winona Ryder and Johnny Depp got together, it was like, well, we have to because we're both like mm. early people 20s, who are at the same drops. like time top one hundred gala from like nineteen ninety who are still together. That's always funny to me. Oh, mm. totally. Um, <laughs> I so, but the thing is, is that then I realized so she appeared in court this week also to be deposed for an incident that happened in a strip club where she basically sicked her posse on a stripper who apparently slept with her man, her husband, Offset. And it's like... These are relatable issues. That's not issues. cool. These are super relatable. <laughs> like, every time my babe, like, fucks a stripper, I'm like, look, don't touch. But here's my Didn't thing. did she get like, a fight with Nicki Minaj, too? Also that. This is... That's old, though. But I just want to say that... Okay. <laughs> I'm old. I, I, know, I know a more recent feud. I know nothing. What's the more recent feud? So I am only bringing this up because it's literally the only thing I know about Cardi B. And it mm. wasn't really a feud, actually. But uh, I love Jamila Jamil from uh, The Good Place. And so she has this online campaign to stop, um, you know, shaming women based on their their weight. She has this movement she calls the I Weigh movement. Uh-huh. And she also is regularly attacking celebrities that hawk fake weight loss yes. things. She had, uh, she had uh, eating issues, you know, when she was younger. And so Cardi B had some sort of product in an Instagram teeny, post. Teeny, teeny tea. I don't exactly. know, some shit, yeah. And what I love about Jamila's uh, campaign is she's like... She's in her first role. She's Uh awesome, but she's still, she's famous, but she's not famous like these people. Right. And she's like, I don't fucking care. I'm going to attack Cardi B. I'm going to attack Kim Kardashian. I'm going to attack all these people. And I just think that's amazing. That That is is. amazing. And I, people are really receptive to shame. I think we don't give shame enough credit for like putting people back in line. Politicians, Mm -hmm. you see it. Celebrities. Shame is a very powerful tool that could be used very positively. Mm Mm-hmm. Not, not I don't know if girl. politicians can actually be shamed, but I do think that it's good to shame people who pr- pretend to be real, portend to be real. Like mm-hmm. Cardi's always like, I'm real. I know my boobs and my ass are fake, but the rest of me is very real. And 
you know, she's like, I'm coming correct, this and that. So it's like, yeah, well, don't, then don't hawk this weird ass tummy tea that makes yeah. people like women want to just only be skinny. And like, you just had a baby. Chill out. But I do want to say the only thing I will say is this. I get why she broke up with Offset because <laughs> you can't be that famous and have your husband openly fucking other women. Yeah, that's tough. Like, unless that's, it's agreed upon. Unless it's agreed. Mm-hmm. And right. And that's like, right. And if she, and if they're that evolved, which I, or non, whatever it is. Polyamory. Polyamory, which I don't think is a ne- necessarily a more evolved stage of relationships. I don't either. I think it's like a form of codependence. <laughs> It's like, which is fine i never want to be alone ness <laughs> i always a b f always be fucking how how you want to get into she? polyamory <laughs> let's talk about no we've got other things to get into but okay. I, I don't know if they're open but they could she could have renegotiated the terms no i mean how open is his cheating like people that just listen to their music know I think that it's this more is going like on? you listen to the music and it's like yeah two two hoes last night like mama was away and you're like what <laughs> <laughs> she'll never discover this the perfect cipher to hide it <laughs> this week the sitch is about a story that has been covered a bit but i think really exemplifies um, just what sore, shitty losers Republicans have been and how everything that they say about the left is what they, in fact, do all the time. So we know that uh, in Wisconsin and in North Carolina, Republican-led state assemblies are ramming through a bunch of um, voter ID laws and other laws that will hamstring their democratically elected uh, governors and essentially make it harder to vote. So there there are two separate issues. The first one, of course, uh, Wisconsin State Assembly, they voted in a governor. Scott Walker is out. They voted in a Democratic governor. But of course, in this lame duck session, they're taking the opportunity to try and limit that governor's ability to make change when he comes into power come January. They ran through 82 different nominees of Scott Walker's. Like, I don't know what these positions are. It's like school board or Mm -hmm. some, you know, any shit. So like um, probably all of his whatever cousins and his other, (laughs) I don't know, Coke brother, distant, distant, distant cousins. Um, Scott Walker was essentially grown in a libertarian lab of Mm. um, just crap policies and wisconsinites you know have protested but you know they still ram these things through north carolina in the ninth district this congressional district hasn't even been decided because it turns out there was voter fraud uh mark harris in that district uh the republican had people rigging rigging the election in his favor in this district by 905 votes which he won by specifically meddling with absentee ballots so Mark Harris's campaign hired a political operative named Leslie McRae Dowless uh, to to run to run like, I don't know, part of his campaign. And one of those things that Leslie McRae Dowless um, did was collect absentee ballots on behalf of voters, which actually is illegal in North Carolina, unlike in California, and then primarily collected Democratic ballots and ballots from people of color, and then suddenly those ballots disappeared or they were switched. Just a little bit about Leslie McRae Dallas. He is a convicted felon because in 1990, he forged the signature of an employee at his auto sales business who died in a car accident on a life insurance policy to like collect his life insurance, I imagine, or some shit. Anyway, he was fined like a like a hundred million, not hundred million, a hundred thousand dollars for that. All the money, um, but anyway, so he's running this operation. The other thing to know that what's come out about it is that the people who were helping switch these ballots and or tank these ballots, uh, these absentee ballots, were high on opiates. Some yes, that some that of them were know. high on opiates, and like one woman was saying that some woman she was working next to just passed out. Like you. What the fuck is going on? Like they, I mean, you have to be a little bit, a job is a job, you know, and you got to feed your addiction. And I, I, pills are expensive. Pills are expensive. You have to find a safe place to, to, uh, you know, administer. That's what you call heroin, right? Um, administering heroin. Uh, but now North Carolina, of course, in the midst of all of this, cause the election is not actually like it might be void. They might have to redo it. Um, they're trying to push through their own voter ID laws. And remember, this is the state that 
was their voter ID like um, or their voter suppression laws were struck down by the Fourth Circuit Court because they said that, quote, there was surgical precision of targeting of voters of color surgical precision and now they're trying it again so they voted to have these uh, new voter id laws um they're sending it to the the governor who if he vetoes it which he probably will they can override it because there's more republicans in the senate the state senate um it's it's just bullshit on top of bullshit on top of sore losership and so my question is like where are we at like are there republicans clearly can't win anymore without cheating and like but do their voters care like do you guys have family members who are republican voters does this all this like amount of cheating is that going to resonate and like where do we go from here i don't think their voters care i just looked at you and you have such a striking resemblance to snowden from like the side has anyone ever told you that no i don't think so you're like if (laughs) if snowden worked out sorry anyway um John Iarola, sorry to um, objectify you. Um, I think that Republican. There are two things going on. Democrats play fair and nice, and I think I'm not a Democratic strategist. But when you're playing against people who openly cheat, it's really hard to make inroads. And the second thing is, I mean, there's so many. There's so much. Like, I don't know what the term is, but just. If you talk to Republicans or people who uh, align their values with Republicans, they'll just say like, you know, oh, the Democrats are baby. Like there are so many different things that they use to rationalize cheating, you know, like Mm -hmm. and the it's the killing babies. It's a great pro-life movement, which we really have to do a better job at taking that term back, because if you deprive people of health care, you're not Mm -hmm. pro-life. That movement has done such a good job at galvanizing so many people who like aren't thinking critically about you know women's health issues Mm -hmm. and so you know republicans will use things like that that are just like talking points that are easily digestible to rationalize lying and cheating because they think they have the moral imperative when they don't and so we have to do a better job at least not of like lying or deceiving people but of like reclaiming words and phrases and ways that people reach Totally agree. Masses. I feel like part of that is reclaiming morals. I think that for so long, the Republicans have claimed this, like we're the party of family values. Mm-hmm. And yet who's the party that, yeah, wants to give people health care and like help women have babies when they want to have babies and terminate yeah. pregnancies when they don't want to have babies uh, in a safe way. Maybe they already have babies, you know, yeah. like that's the thing about, you know, uh, like pr- whatever bullshit anti-choice laws is like, a lot of women already have families. They just don't want more family. <laughs> and fa- and the families don't, like the husband and the wife or whomever are like, yeah, no, we're done. Yeah. And, and it's like what you were saying before. It's across the board with everything because I could talk about abortion till the cows come home. <laughs> but just all of it, like um, I forget what you were saying earlier just about how like uh, they're, maybe it's like the bullshit on top of bullshit. Like does the cheating matter to their base, you know? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? I, I think I think there's two problems. I, I think that with the elected Republicans, uh, I see them now less as a political party and more as a virus. That they have co-opted the sort of system, the the tools of democracy inside of our elected offices, and they are using them to shut the doors behind themselves. Right. So they don't really think that they can get Wisconsin's governorship or attorney general again. Mm -hmm. But they do have a gerrymandered majority in the legislature. So that's good enough. We'll just use that and we will strip all of the power away from the offices that we've lost. I think with the voters and, and really with Wisconsin, Michigan and North Carolina, we could talk about this for hours. But with the voters, I think one of the problems we have is the support for democracy fundamentally in white Americans is slipping. I Mm. think that as they see demographic change coming, they are going to support, they're going to support less and less fundamentally the idea that the people should be choosing because they think that it's a zero sum game that, yeah, we have the lead now, but eventually it's going to be scary Brown people voting. So is voting really the best thing? And you can see this in polls, like actually asking people, do you support democracy? It has been going down. Was there a study that said like 40% of people in general would align with fascism? Is it, is it white people particularly? I mean, I know it's, I know that like the current Republican fascist regime is like a predominantly like white, you Mm -hmm. know, thing. But in general, there is like, the Blexit, hey, like Candace Owens. That is true. And the 12 
black people on Twitter but who just, are MAGA trolls. Yeah, but just thinking about it from like a physiological, like like the brain. You know what I mean? Like do some people, is it just like, because I know that racism apparently is, I don't quote me, but I read an article that it's kind of like hereditary or genetic, like hate, <laughs> hate, fear, like maybe like your amygdala is smaller, like, are there now? I sound like a eugenicist, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like I, I, calipers. I've spent so long trying to understand why so many people are okay. Not being empathetic. Mm, Cause I just yeah. like, I'm trying to understand it from like a, a non-political bent. Like I'm trying to like empathize, which is part of the problem. You're such a liberal in that sense. Mm-hmm. But just like, why are people okay with fascism? I think it's like, I think it's like deeper than like Democrat Republican, because what we're seeing happen in our country now has happened all over the world. Mm always it's like the history of humanity so how do we break through it it's funny actually before i got into this i was in graduate school as a political psychologist and my work was actually about this the development of ideology and value systems and stuff like that it's complicated because it's hard to identify what leads to political beliefs and when people start interacting politically when they start to talk to people when they vote in elections you know how that then influences their values those things can sort of affect each other in both uh, directions um but there are a lot of studies going back literally decades uh, that psychologically some of the base ways that we interact with the world are different between liberals and conservatives. And you mentioned the brain. There has been some evidence that the actual physical like size of things can shift over time. And it's it's not clear to me if because they don't do these experiments on babies or anything like that. They don't track it throughout life. If people are changing like the size of their amygdala as a result of thinking about things. What's in- amygdala? Where you process people, emotions, is it? Yeah, people call it like the fear center of the brain. Yeah, mm. if you have a larger fear center of your brain, you're going to be more comfortable with fascism. Yeah, yeah. I feel so like they, they tend to be they tend to approach things with a greater degree of fear, a greater they have sure. heightened sensitivity to risk and uh, fear. I'm just such a nurture over nature person, and so mm. my thing is like, say what you will about. Like whether it's hereditary or whatever, whatever. But it's like if we had better public education, if we had free college tuition, like there's have been great studies. And like we all know when you go to fucking college, it doesn't matter where or what really you're studying. But just expanding like higher learning leads to greater understandings and acceptance of other people, other cultures, other religions, democracy, world systems, history, like seeing how fascism has failed. Like there's just there's so much proof in just informing people. Um, And I think though that we've, Republicans up until Trump, they've dog whistled and dog whistled, Mm -hmm. but the overtness and the doubling down, you know, I think I I always go back to the 2012, like why did Romney lose? Well, you know, we've got to really, you know, appeal to people of color, all the demographic changes, all. And instead of being like, hey, yeah, you know, there are many people of color who are, Pro, so-called pro-life or you know who believe in fiscal conservatism they were like nah we we gonna do the kkk thing we going like we're gonna completely just go and the southern democrats prior to that too because republicans will do a really good job at like pinpointing they know their talking points to just like try to any like brash generalization they'll try to like twist it on you so just mm-hmm. yeah shout out to the racist southern democrats these are states that went to Trump by slim margins and that have been gerrymandered. I mean, there are two separate things, but I do think that when these states go blue consistently, that is when we're going to have, and when places like Texas go blue, this is a sea change that's coming that you're absolutely right that Republicans are trying to insulate themselves from and they're trying to squeeze every last ounce of their like plutocratic rule from. And I do think that like yes you can dog whistle and you can um be openly xenophobic and get those voters but also stats show that not only are demographic changes real but when demographic changes happen the people people white people become less racist they're less afraid when they're like oh jose next door like when their neighbors are people of color when they interact with them like i think we've all I don't know. I mean, I personally, when I moved to New York City, I went to NYU and I was an undergrad and I was bumping shoulders on the subway with everyone from everywhere. Everywhere. I was like suddenly empathetic because I was like, oh, we're all human. And I just cool. 
um wow you come in that you know whatever like form like you know like <laughs> wow that is the I, biggest those, body that's, shaming um, i've ever yes. heard in my life i will say with wisconsin michigan and north carolina if people are not yet scared about what this represents if they think well i don't live in these states this seems so specific uh it's not this is this is really, really scary because other pl- state-level political parties, primarily Republican, are going to learn lessons from this. Mm-hmm. And if you want future elections in 2020, if we do amazingly across the country, if you want it to actually mean anything, then we need to stand strong now and send a message to the Republicans that this will not – we won't allow this. It's so petty, so specific – in Wisconsin, they are making it so that now it's not the governor and the attorney general who will choose lawyers that will be involved in lawsuits against the U.S. It's the legislature. In Michigan, the Democrats took control. They have a majority of the state board of education. So they have a bill to set up a shadow board of education oh that will have authority over education <laughs> like in the state. A, like a Harry Potter be- council so or whatever. So the question then is what can people do who aren't in those states besides protesting listen if there is some hot chocolate and like a face mask waiting for me over in this, these cold ass motherfucking areas i'll be there like i will seriously go there i love to protest i love to i do i think people came out and they were they made demands wisconsinites were fucking up like they were not in arms because that's not how the left rolls um but i do think that I watch these actions and I'm like, and in North Carolina there were protesters and they were threatened with arrest and they went home. And I think that there are people who are organizing. There are great groups who are doing more direct actions, but I think we have to be ready to be like, you're going to get arrested and it'll Mm. be like a very small infraction. And obviously if you can get arrested, if you're undocumented or you have like you're on parole or whatever it is, like don't get arrested. Um, But I think people are going to have to, a put little their bit bodies put their bodies on the line, on the line. Yeah. which is an ableist phrase I learned. And yet, some of that. the people who have put their bodies on line the most this some year, some people don't have bodies. Yeah, but what well, I'm saying, the all the, all the, yeah, all yeah. the like, you know, Affordable Care Act protesters and yeah. Medicare protesters from what's the organization? I don't remember. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, I don't remember the, the disability rights groups literally put their, yeah. you know, non-totally able bodies on the lines and. Fuck, like it watching DC really police haul, haul people in wheelchairs away. Yeah. Well, and, and in terms of what can be done, I mean, some yes. of it will be protesting, but not just protesting against the Republicans. You need to put pressure on the Democrats. Like Tony Evers, the new Democratic mm-hmm. governor, he can complain about it. Or He's he can, written a letter. Exactly. and Or he can do something. You need legal action. Because yeah. when they tried to do this a couple of years ago in North Carolina, uh, thankfully, a judge struck down uh, a couple of different measures that they had done. We need that. This time around in North Carolina, we need it in Michigan. But then they just try it again. <laughs> yeah, just well, like, we have to be vigilant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true. Um, I want to move on to our next segment and but before i do i want to just say that on tuesday night i believe it was when we found out that michael flynn has spoken to the special prosecutor robert Mueller 19 times which um by the sort of by like prosecutors accounts like who've tried murder cases or like you never talk to your witness 19 times Mm -hmm. (laughs) um sounds like a (laughs) rom-com i'm just saying like i fucking i danced around my house very excitedly and I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I know there's bigger fish to fry. I know we should be focusing on voter suppression like this, but I will dance on the grave of this administration. I will throw endless parties. I'm not going to, they're going to be spontaneous Mm -hmm. because you're talking to a woman who did hire a mariachi band in advent of Hillary Clinton's eventual win, Mm. (laughs) which she did win. Uh, We all did win. She did win. But uh, I never want to see a sad mariachi band. I never want a mariachi band. <laughs> it's like a sad clown. It's not right. It's very, the problem is, it wasn't even that it was, they were sad. They consoled me. I had a mariachi band, like the guy, like his hand on my shoulder. And he was like, ay, lo siento. And I was like, oh my God. Oh. We all have stories like that night in the way that we have stories of like where we were on 9-11. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah, I was um, live on air. I was trying to get I blood. I was live on air too. Yeah, I was time. live on air too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I was, uh, yeah, we probably yeah. had very few viewer, viewers, but it was live. Yeah. Uh, so Michael what Flynn did, might not get any time. 
that's exciting for him. His his crime was, I would say, the lightest of the crimes that we've seen. So I sort of understand that. And he did speak 19 times. I have no idea what he could possibly know that merits 19 conversations with Robert Mueller. To put it in perspective, I I definitely have not talked to my mom as many times in this time period as he spoke <laughs> wow. with Robert Mueller. Um, so w- what were they talking about? How much did he have access to? He was involved in the transition. I guess we'll find out. Hopefully. A lot. I think the, the NRA um, piece is the one I'm very excited to, to yes. watch unravel. If Russia used NRA as a shell company to funnel money to the Republicans, which they must have, that's just satisfying. It's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, again, once again, the idea that all that like kids in Parkland and like the the de- like the demise of this administration can like come coalesce and the NRA can be exposed. I mean, it already is. It's a fucking open book. They're just like pro murder. Mass um, shooting Barbie is something I could bitch about all day. Dan- Dana Lash. <laughs> oh God. God yeah. Worst. The worst. She's absolutely the worst. Um, but I want to do, I want to move on hair, to. Though. Anyway. <laughs> she, it's, it's very thick. It's, it's like she's it's never stopped taking her prenatal vitamins. Okay. We can move on. <laughs> Let's move on to a segment very quickly. Targeted character assassination, the Academy Awards and Kevin Hart. Uh, And it sort of speaks to the moment that we're living in where uh, the Internet is forever and things that you say and do uh, will most likely on often do get pulled up uh, in later years when you're more famous and have all the money. Um, So (laughs) uh, say everything you need to say now or don't or just if you think you're going to be famous say nothing Mm -hmm. but kevin hart of course was asked to do the oscars and then some tweets of his that were homophobic were um sort of brought to light once again i believe he's definitely been called on some of his like uh sort of more problematic views um and the academy asked him to basically delete the tweets and here was I want to play both of his responses for you and just get your reactions to it. So here's the first thing when it was like, I think it was the Academy Awards were still in the potential works for him. All this, this whole story, by the way, like started and ended in a period of 48 hours. Yeah. Um, but we're still talking about it because I think it brings up interesting points. I swear, man, our world is becoming beyond crazy. Very vague. I'm not going to let the craziness frustrate me or anger me, especially when I worked hard to get to the mental space that I am at now. He's shirtless in bed with uh, chains on. I was upset about tweets you did years ago. Oh, my God. Guys, I'm almost 40 years old. If you don't believe that people change, grow, evolve as they get older, I don't know what to tell you. If you want to hold people in a position where they always have to justify or explain their past, then do you. I'm the wrong guy, man. Mm. I'm in a great place. Mm. A great He's mature too, place. Too big to fail. Well, all I do is spread positive. Did he just lie about his age? There's You're no way he's that. under 40. You're not on my page. Okay, that's number one, which by the way, visually I'm not mad at because again, he's got chains and he's shirtless and he's in a very husky voice and it's a, listen, Kevin Hart comes up to my my elbow, but. <laughs> oh, he's 39. Yeah, he's almost 40. He said, so then he, he put that out and then um, the Academy said, listen, if you're going to go forward uh, with like hosting the award show, which they're fucking desperate to find people to host it because it, clearly it's a well-paid but somehow thankless job. Uh, and the ratings are really low, he responded like this. So I just got a call from the Academy, and um, that call basically said, Kevin, apologize for your tweets of old, or we're going to have to move on and find another host. Talking about the tweets from 2009, 2010. I chose to pass. I passed on the apology. The reason why I passed is because I've addressed this several times. This is not the first time this has come up. I've addressed it. I've spoken on it. I've said where the rights and wrongs were. I've said who I am now versus who I was then. I've done it. I've done it. I'm not going to continue to go back and, and tap into the days of old when I moved on and I'm in a and don't delete your tweets. place in my life. Mm-hmm. The same energy that went into finding those old tweets could be the same energy put into finding the response to the questions that have been asked years after years after years. 
We feed in the internet trolls and we reward them. I'm not going to do it, man. I'm going to be me. I'm going to stay on my ground. Regardless Academy, I'm thankful. Problematic language, but okay. Not, not the if greatest. If it goes away, no harm, no foul. All right. Anish, what are your thoughts? It's fine to own it. Then just don't delete your tweets. Like okay. he did. It was like the double. He like deleted his tweets and then I was like, I'm not going to apologize. So just don't apologize and don't delete your tweets. So he maybe it was like he thought that deleting his tweets would be enough. And then it was like, nah, you need to apologize. And then he was like, no, I'm not going to do mean, that. I don't maybe the Academy told him to delete his tweets. Or that's what he said. I, what what the one thing I've learned from Trump, unfortunately, and I don't agree with it, but people succeed in just kind of never, ever apologizing. And so if you half apologize or you just like open a little crack in the door for the critics to come in, you know, I think that's his problem. You sort but of Louis also, C.K. it. I don't want to even. That's what said. No, I don't think Kevin Hart's ever, you know, cornered women and masturbated. No, but I mean the apology, the sort of like halfway. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, I think that if you're going to play the game, you play the game. And if you're not going to play the game, then you don't play the game. Right. It's just kind of like one foot in, one foot out. I don't know. Everything's weird right now. We're you know he said it in the first video everything's crazy right now i totally agree with a lot of stuff he said but then also just don't delete the tweets and take it i mean like he's speaking so vaguely like talk about maybe homophobia or like how you've evolved be specific now that people are i mean people listen to him all the time but it's like when you have a platform and people's eyes on you articulate things that matter right I don't know exactly what you think about this, but I'm going to guess that I'm going to disagree with you because you're a comedian and I've seen how many comedians have responded to this. And what many of them seem to be saying is this is another one of those cases of which we've seen many recently where people are getting attacked for the things they said a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's what this is. I don't think what that do he think, lost yeah. that position because of his tweets from 2010. He lost that position because of the way he handled it right now. Mm. And the way he handled it right now is about as poorly as you could have, I think. He said in one of those videos, the same energy that could that went into finding those tweets could go into doing something positive. Okay, well, the same energy that went into recording these Instagram videos could have instead gone into an actual apology. Right. Give money it, to an organization that needs it. Yeah. Sure. So he said in... I think it was seriously funny or dangerously funny or something like that. One of his things. He he did one of those jokes about, I'm scared that my kid's going to end up gay. Right. I would beat it out of him or whatever like that. And he says, that's not a joke about the kid being gay. That's a joke about my insecurities. Sort of. Louis C.K. tells those sorts of jokes. His was delivered extremely poorly. And in the end, the punchline is still hitting the kid. Right. And his I've listened to his apologies. His apologies back a couple of years ago aren't great. Mm. And look, first of all, I'm not the person what he's who gets saying. to evaluate like, I was... his apologies. I'm not from the LGBT community. Yeah. But he does, like, I have not seen from him an actual expression that I fundamentally disagree with what I thought back then. I regret that I felt that way in the past. I don't believe that you can stop a person from being gay. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that expressed at all. Right. He seems to just want to move on. And honestly, let's say I'm wrong. Maybe he's done other apologies and I haven't seen them and they were better apologies. You don't get to just say, I, I address that. You can't be concerned anymore. Like sure. imagine if I said something super racist yeah. in 2006 and then in 2011, I addressed it. And then in 2016, someone brings it up again. Can I be like, shut up, man. I already talked about that. No. No, I might have to apologize again. That might be a little bit inconvenient for me, but it's not as inconvenient as homophobia is for gay people. No, I think that you're so right, and I'm I'm offended that you thought that I would disagree with you. Well, I just uh, I know how that dare comedians you? are concerned about people attacking sure. comedy, which I think is a legitimate concern. I don't think he's an example that's also, of it. Comedians are like uh, a lot of us, These especially are fragile people. <laughs> we're fragile people, but like younger <laughs> generations, like there's a lot of nuance. Like, did you, so uh, did you guys hear about the Namesh Patel thing? He was performing at Columbia mm -hmm. at some student. Yes, I did hear group, this. And they actually went on stage and told him to get off stage during the middle of the set because he said something that was deemed offensive. I did not deem it offensive, but again, I'm not like, you know, a gay person of color. That said, his response was awesome. He wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, not a uh, castigating uh, young college kids for being oversensitive in the way Jerry Seinfeld did, but really just kind of talking about like the nuances of it and how, you know, it's important for us to continue these dialogues and evolve. And I think that like 
we are in this moment where like a lot of comedians, especially successful comedians who came up uh, during a different time, can will criticize young young kids today for being oversensitive. But I mean, I, I'm trying to like work on this in my standup, so I'm not gonna like work out a bit on you. But I think that it is really interesting in terms of like we shouldn't just criticize culture for being oversensitive, and we have to find a way through it. I think that's really real. I mean, I think that my initial reaction when I saw these videos was like, this feels genuine. This is someone who, um, you know, I'm like, give him a break. You know, like, you know, he doesn't he doesn't need to like apologize for something. It was so long ago. And he says that he doesn't, you know, probably do the bit anymore and blah, blah, blah. But John, I think you're right. And I think I, I think that you Re- double down on it then double down on what you do believe now and the fact that he didn't kind of feels like he sort of still stands by the fact that he like that joke and that he was really just shamed into apologizing and i think we were talking about shame earlier like it can be mo- mobilizing but like for the wrong reason sometimes mm-hmm. and also it's just it's a job it's this particular job and it's no no one's right to host the oscars like that's a that's one job that if you have expressed homophobic uh, sentiments and not fully apologized for them, you shouldn't get to do. Yeah. It's fucking Hollywood, man. Yeah. Uh, And and we're focusing on like one of his jokes from a standup, but there were obviously others I I saw. And I think it's still up. He replied to someone on Twitter back in 2009, 2010 and just called them a fag. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you might have to answer for that for a while. And, and by well, the way, sure. I'm not I mean, saying he's he sh- still selling out stadiums. I mean, he's fine, but yeah, you're then, and he, he's, he has the right to say that and then say it was a joke, but then don't, you can't host the Oscars. Then. Yeah, yeah, That's no, not a and, thing. For well, you. Let me, let me be really clear. I'm not saying he shouldn't host the Oscars. What should have happened in a perfect world, win-win for everybody is, well, it's not perfect, but as close as we're going to get is he told the jokes, he gets offered the Oscars People bring up their concerns. And by the way, not just internet trolls, like he said. These are people who are actually concerned about what an extremely influential person thinks about a group that has been marginalized throughout human history. He should have said, you know what? I told those jokes. It's my right as a comedian to tell them. But I want to be extremely clear that I don't think that anyone should be attacked for their sexuality. I don't think that you should try to control someone's sexuality. I don't believe any of these hateful things. And then he hosts the Academy yeah. Awards. That is the uh, perfect situation. And then he invites Elton John up on stage and they sing a duet like Eminem. Exactly. Oh my God. Remember when that happened and we were all like, okay, mm-hmm. like that's, that was the price Eminem had to pay <laughs> and or the honor that he had to pay to sing with uh, Sir Elton John. And that was great. That was, that yeah. was, it's like that moment for me though. And that was, what was that? Like 2001, two around there? Like, we're beyond homophobia let's let's all move beyond that um i do though think that like there are gray areas and my general overall thoughts about dragging people on twitter um for things that they've said a long time ago is i think that when we get real justice in this country like systemic institutionalized justice um for people of color for lgbtq people that like the need to focus on celebrities and what they're saying and what they have said will really dissipate. Like it will not be relevant to think that somehow Kevin Hart apologizing for a tweet is going to push the dial around LGBTQ rights forward. I don't think it will. And so my whole hope is that when we actually have political change, that we can stop like over focusing and policing one another. Cause I don't like the culture of online policing as like it is a reaction to everything that's going on tangentially to like the whole me too movement and everything i don't think it would have gained the traction it gained if we didn't have a sex offender in the white house Mm -hmm. and it's just people are reacting because they feel powerless and it's easier to attack a celebrity online agreed than get change and social justice (laughs) agreed yeah and the only thing I'll disagree in is I, I don't think that we have a culture of policing. I think we have multiple cultures of policing. I think that the people who are worried about his homophobic tweets, I think a lot of them probably are genuine. And the question is, do does you make a joke, 
do you actually believe the thing or is it just a joke? With his response, I'm not sure, honestly. Mm -hmm. And then you contrast that with something like the James Gunn situation where he made a joke about pedophilia. Do you think that he is really a pedophile? No. Meanwhile, Brian Singer is still getting jobs. I don't know how. (laughs) Yeah. No, the double standard is, and obviously, and a lot of these folks are are like, it's Mike Cernovich, you know, this like total right wing, all right psychopath who disingenuously is finding, yeah, all these tweets and then shaming, you know, mainstream media or whatever, you know, corporate media in order to fire folks. And so... I mean, like, I have a joke about killing the president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's going to get dragged up. I hope I get famous <laughs> enough so that gets dragged up. But it's like, but Which president awful. from when? <laughs> yeah, the- all of them. Yeah, and but if it gets brought up in like 10 years, your response is probably not going to be, man, people are taking it so serious. You'll just say, yeah, I don't support killing the president. Right. Depends that's, on who the president is, though, right? <laughs> Depends on who the president won't. is at that moment. I wanted to play this game called Sex Elect Overthrow. It's like Mary Fuck Kill. Uh, we play it every every week here on the Bituation Room. And this week, the theme is, we usually don't have themes, but I kind of like this theme, which is a disgraced news media figure. Which one would we choose to resuscitate or throw down the memory shoot of hell forever? Who would we sext? Who would we elect? And who would we overthrow? You have to. And this is not a savory choice. I have the answers. Good. I'm glad. Because I don't. I haven't even thought about this. They are. <laughs> this is your topic, by the way. I know. But listen, this all comes together very last minute. I, I, it was enough to cut up those Kiwi. <laughs> we got Matt Lauer, Les Moonves, and Charlie Rose. So who would you sext? Who would you elect? Who would you overthrow? Jenna. Well, 100% elect Charlie Rose. He's got a couple years left. <laughs> <laughs> but who's VP then? You mean like are you hoping he croaks in office? Well, he'll just he's just, you know, he's the safest bet. Lauer is so lame and basic. I would, you know, sext him. And then <laughs> Moonves is so the thing about Les Moonves that's so insidious beyond the fact that he is a sexual predator. He was an arbiter of culture of a major network for so long. And he uh, shepherded in Two and a Half Men and all these shows that are so misogynistic in ways we don't even realize. And Mm, they have an impact on people. Did you say friends? Yeah. Worldviews. There was some weird misogyny in Friends. The Rachel was that haircut. C- that was that was CBS? completely oppressive. I thought Friends was NBC. I think friends was NBC. Okay. But the Rachel haircut really was a plague on yeah, everyone's like Ro- Ross's character was really a, a emblematic cuck. of well yeah but <laughs> also he's emblematic of that sort of angry men's rights i'm gonna take it out on women for not giving me what i want wait but was moon i don't know if Moonves did he I is was he that. uh you, you might be right was he i have no idea let's google you, it let's you, you keep giving no your googling check it. keep going yeah, okay. no but definitely two and a half men which was such a toxic show um and also did not green light women's projects that's the thing and yeah. just hurt so many careers and it's just so interesting how we can't even untangle all the ways in which these people, I mean, perfect examples like the election coverage. It's so funny to see like Matt Lauer interviewing Hillary, Charlie Rose interviewing Hillary. It's so meta me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, Oh, everyone interviewing Hillary, you mean? Yeah. I'm not, it's not about Hillary, but just about the way that men in powerful positions that are arbiters of culture have such, so many of them have such dark insidious evil views towards women or just don't don't even see women as people and how that echoes in like you know what we consume culturally but what would you sex matt lauer though you up (laughs) so basic (laughs) that's all he deserves a picture of my dick nice so i i have i have some overlap Mm. I'm not going to lie. I, I would definitely overthrow Les Moonves uh, for many of the same reasons. Uh, he possessed the most power. He used his power in the most cynically sexual, harassy, and assaulty way. Um, he likely did many more things than we know about, and it had ripple effects that we'll never know about. Careers were not made that would have otherwise been made. Like That is what's so insidious about it. Also, he apparently was the one who canceled Star Trek Enterprise and killed Enterprise on, or Star Trek on TV, which Bastard. really sad. That's unrelated to the sexual stuff, but it was a really good show. Um, I would sext Matt Lauer. 
But the main reason is because if I'm sexting him, I'm technically not in the same room with him, so I don't have to worry about any buttons. True, true, yeah, true. that's funny. In there. Um, and I, I guess I would like Charlie Rose. It nobody likes like comparing the different things. It seems, I think, from what I know of it, that he used it less to control women's careers than Matt Lauer and Les Moon. I mean, yeah, all of them Charlie did. Rose was pretty, I think from what I've read, <laughs> benign, but he definitely hit on my friend. My friend was yeah. an intern yeah. for him and he put his hand, he put his hand on her leg in a cab when she was like in college interning for him. Gross. He seems the most like a creepy I mean, old man yes. and less like a predator. Also men who have come of age before women had access to credit. I gave them a little bit of a pass. <laughs> so it's like a, he was more of a Herbert Walker uh, creep. I guess. Just sort of like groping women from the wheelchair. Not to say, I, mean, I, I think that's really bad too, but yeah. And, but look, it's and the he's dirty also, old man. He's done a lot of good interviews over the mm-hmm. years. You know, His Louis C.K. interview was great. Oh, see, I don't, I don't know about that one. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Did he really interview Louis C.K.? Oh, my God. It's just so endlessly meta. Um, I Charlie Rose would give great fireside chats. We know that. That is mm-hmm. true. That we we will bring those back, make America fireside chat. With also, Charlie what Rose. has Lauer ever done interesting? Who so is he, and how know. does he, he have a job? He should be a, a one of the balloons in the fucking Macy's Day Parade. He is the most boring. Basic, he should be the ball like that drops. Toast. He's and such a basic Eve. dude. He's so boring. And the other thing about uh, Moonves that I find shocking was that I think in his like late twenties, he sexually assaulted a doctor. Moonves? Yeah, mm-hmm. I know people true. are thinking, wait, he was gay. Nope. <laughs> the doctor was a woman. Gotcha. I would say you elect Matt Lauer. He is boring and Lauer harmless. Power. Lauer Power. Hashtag Lauer Power. He already knows how to put his finger on all the buttons. Oh. Um, so it's okay that he has his on <laughs> the button of the, the nuclear weapons, um, the football. And um, he can trap you know Kim Jong Un in a room, <laughs> and uh, make him go down on him. Yeah, so he has a superpower. <laughs> it's a superpower. Um, elect him; he'll be fine. He's a perfectly normal, just centrist, like liberal Republican, conservative Democrat, and uh, we can all get back to normal. Uh, terrible politics. in this terrible world, and you know, uh, let's see. We should sext Les Moonves. Ugh pictures of his wife <laughs> with <laughs> other someone men. else that's yes. nice i like that um, which probably turns him on i'm not saying that and that's i'm not cuck shaming but uh that dude is a fucking cuck <laughs> um and is I that guess, like a rumor no that julie chen is cheating but on she's him? got to if know. she's faithful, then I really hate her. And I already hate her for disgracing like Asian women as Mitch McConnell's wife has as well. And just not standing in solidarity. It's always not. It's not always the Asian women. But you know what? We got some conservatives amongst us. Okay. We got some elitist, overly Botox conservatives in our ranks. And Charlie Rose has disgraced the bathrobe. Okay. Charlie Rose has disgraced Charlie the Rose is disgraced. What about Weinstein? Well, Weinstein's not on the fucking docket, is he? No. <laughs> it's, By design. It's Charlie Rose who's been, or maybe it's hand towels. The bathrobe is for being a predator. That's it the point really of the bathrobe. Is, but Mainly. it didn't choose that life. Mm. It was like, it's not my fault. I'm a malfunctioning dress. Like, mm-hmm. why? A guy in a bathrobe, there's something suspicious about that. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, like how? Because you know what it says. It also is very rich because it says there's your house is big enough to just scor- sort of like walk around after you get out of the bathroom. Yeah. Also, like I understand. So women's hair takes a while to dry. So the process of you know balls going from, take a long time. Is it the balls that take a long? I time? have big balls and they are always wet. <laughs> yes. This is why men need hair dryers. Sometimes you can just yeah, I do. you know. But with the men. What? Just get dressed, you weirdo. What are you walking around in a towel <laughs> Or towel for? the balls. A, put on your pants. Yeah, put on your goddamn it pants. It is a power move. You know? It it's is. Like at any moment, I could ruin your day. Like, uh, uh. Oh, Ooh. I didn't see you there. No, come on up. We'll read this script together. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's fresh out of the shower penis, so you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have to be assaulted. God damn it, that's awful. But Charlie Rose did that too. It would be like the, remember someone asked like a producer, like, oh, did he, did he do the old towel trick? So anyway, oh. Charlie Rose is defaming Wamsutta towels 
uh, and all Egyptian cotton. Mm. And is and, this our sponsor? Uh, yes, Situation Room brought to you by 100% Egyptian cotton and Wamsetta hand towels. Uh, type in code <laughs> Francesca20 <laughs> to get your discount. And that has been the Situation Room. Thank you so much for joining me, John Idarola, Jenna Friedman. Thank you. What should we plug? John, how do we follow your work? Uh, so I host The Damage Report on the TYT Network, also The Young Turks. But The Damage Report is uh, live uh, every morning on YouTube TV and also streaming live to uh, TYT members. It's also a podcast everywhere, iTunes, you know, Android, all that. So. It is such a good show. You guys really have to listen Thank to you. it if you, you haven't already. And it. you can see and hear me. Jenna? So it hasn't been announced yet, but Soft Focus uh, will be airing on Adult Swim January 25th at midnight. <laughs> that sounded like an announcement. No, it, I, no one announced it. Fake news. <laughs> but check it out. It's edgy. I, I'm not going to tell you who's on it, but it's okay. a eccentric millionaire who may have murdered someone. He sat down There's with me. There's so many. Oh, it's Elon Musk. He sat down with me and we talked a lot about Bitcoin. <gasps> and yeah, check it out. December 25th. Adult, sorry. January 25th. <laughs> <laughs> Adult Swim Midnight. So maybe the 20th. I don't know anything. Can can we follow you on the uh, the Twitters? Yeah, Jenna with one N. Jenna with one N. Friedman. John Adarola. At John Adarola. I'm at Franny Fio. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for writing reviews. Uh, keep them coming on iTunes. Give us five stars. It really means a lot. Um, and we will talk to you next week. And remember, don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye-bye.